This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined on my left and right by my co-host, my counselors, my, dare I say, Imzadis, Daniel Prue and Darren Moser. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, would you say, Philip, that we have a little Imzadi relationship? I would see, if we were to echo back to about a hundred and ten plus episodes ago, I would say that would be true. Uh, and Darren, how are you doing? Good. I'm glad I finally got to wear this full uniform. I think uh, how you guys have been making me wear that scant for far too long. But no, it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be uh, sitting, not in the center chair. We are very honored here at Earl Grey to have a very special guest this week. So let's get to it. All right, and Earl Grey would like to welcome to this week's show, best known to our listeners as Counselor Deanna Troy, Marina Sirtis. Welcome, Marina, and as of this recording, happy Deanna Troy Day. Oh, Lordy. Hello, <laughs> 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 everybody. You know, I feel, a bit, I feel like a bit of a fraud, actually, because it's officially National Chocolate Day, and I'm kind of piggybacking it <laughs> because Deanna Troy loves chocolate. So... This is this is uh, a bit of a a bit of a fun thing. It's it's not official. It's not legal. It's not you know, it's not officially Deanna Troy Day except on my Twitter account. I, think. I, I don't know if you have a hashtag. That seems pretty official to me. Oh, uh, if I have a hashtag, yeah, that's oh, pretty. You know that's what? pretty official. You if there's a hashtag Deanna Troy hashtag Day. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But but I have to say, you know, one of those things. I, I do love the, the 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 Troy chocolate connection. I mean, there's the and and I, I wish I could be cool enough to know the episode, but it's because I'm talking to you. I'm obviously a little bit nervous. But one of my favorite scenes is, of course, the one with you and Frakes doing the uh, the chocolate Sunday, as you explain. Uh, you know how to eat a Sunday correctly. I think it was. An, I mean, I could be wrong here because I'm a bit rubbish at remembering the name of the names of the episodes myself. But I think it might have been an episode called The Game. Yes, ma'am. And yes, yes. I, I'm only saying that because someone tweeted it to me over the last day or so. So I'm not actually that smart. That's one of my fans who's much smarter than I am. Oh, awesome. Well, Marina, I know one of the things um, we wanted to talk with you today is about uh, a great thing you have going on, and not just you, um, but a, a bunch of your, your friends and cohorts, and that's uh, Internity, um, a show that, that you have uh, some campaigns going on with, but, you know, uh, written and produced and acted by Joey Adams and some other folks our listeners may know. But it, I just wanted you to let you describe what the show is about and, and the character you play for it. Well, um, it, the show's called Internity, which is obviously is a play on words, you know, interns and eternity. Um, and basically it's about a group, a group of interns in a hospital 
and um, my part, uh, she's kind of the den mother. She's uh, she's the grown up because she's in her fifties. Um, everyone else is is you know kind of college age or med school age, and so she's kind of uh, much older. But she's starting again after um, a failed marriage, and the kids have gone off to school, and so she's doing what she always wanted to and fulfilling her dreams and and starting again for a a second time for a fresh look on life. So I think it's kind of, it's, I think it's really kind of important to have um, women on television that women can relate to. And I'm sure there are a lot of women out there who are doing exactly what Camille is doing um, in eternity and starting their lives over. Um, and I think it would be good to see that on TV. And then, of course, my, my bestie, Michael Dorn, is going to direct the pilot, um, so I can't wait. And, you know, he might be in it. I'm not going to do too many spoilers, but um, we might get him in it. I mean, it's basically a dramedy. It's not a comedy. It's not a drama. It's kind of like life because, Life isn't one or the other. And um, I'm very excited about it. I think uh, if we can get this off the ground, I think it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, and I think one of the things I really enjoyed um, as I learned more and more about the show and, and the development is that um, uh, Joey Adams, you know, along with, with you and, 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 and Michael, you know, they sort of have this sort of, I don't want to use the, the, the term sort of nerd or geek approach, but he definitely is has an appreciation um, for the things that, that uh, you know, uh, folks like us uh, and, and our listeners like, you know, whether it's Star Trek or whether it's covering any of the other sort of shows and references that are out there on I've kind of read where it's kind of like there's going to be these sort of flashbacks that uh, that his character of Nate may have and to, to other uh, yeah. series. Yeah, because, yeah, we, because we're going to have a, a flashback element to the show or maybe a, sometimes it won't be a flashback. It'll be like a fantasy element. Um, we can pretty much do whatever we want <laughs> with those parameters. It's kind of like having a holodeck. You can do anything you want. So, um that's that's an exciting uh, kind of way. That's that's an exciting thing for me to think that. Well, you know, there's nothing we can't do if we're doing fantasies and um, flashbacks. You know, fantastic. That's right. And and I won't I won't ask you whether the goddess of empathy will show up in the holodeck. She may not. She may not. <laughs> <laughs> she was never my favorite. Although she did have a nice dress on, but she was never my favorite. She was a bit. She was a bit wet. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. We we definitely like uh, we definitely like in charge and 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 develop Troy much better. But but you play them all so well. Um, Thank and, you. <laughs> so so what was it? Uh, what was it like? Um, you know, I, I I know that, or I, I believe I'm correct that that Michael never directed a, a next gen episode. Um, but how, what was it like having uh, Michael as a director, um, or or having that relationship uh, for, for this series? Well, um, actually the. Michael directed me in in, um, in a comedy that we did a few years ago um, called Through the Fire, and um, that was the first time actually he had directed me um, because, like you said, he never directed TNG. He went on to direct um, episodes of uh, DS9 and um, Voyager, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it's fantastic. We got used to being directed by our friends, obviously on TNG, pretty much everyone 
but me and uh, I think Brent and I were, were the only two who didn't direct. I think pretty everybody else did. Um, so we love working with our friends and I adore working with my friends, um, especially when they know you so well and they know how you tick and you have a kind of a shorthand, you know, and you don't have to go into deep, meaningful explanations. I mean, sometimes a look is all it takes for you to know that something needs to be done. And so it's actually a really, really lovely um, way to go to be directed by chums. Oh, awesome. And you brought up a, an issue that that in Eternity, um, the character you play, we have a, a another um, uh, podcast on this uh, network that we do called Women at Warp. And I know they're going to be very jealous that we're talking with you, but they're they're a very they're a, they're actually a feminist uh, Trek uh, podcast. And I know with your character, right. as, you, as you mentioned, you know, you have, you know, a woman sort of coming um, back into a new profession, you know, kind of the, the newbie, the intern um, around people who may be substantially younger than her like her children's age. Um, and, and I mm-hmm. know you've talked about it, um, whether it's been at conventions or other things about sort of the role of women, both in the entertainment industry and, and in life, you know, sort of the, the mm-hmm. quote unquote older women and, and how, you know, there, there can be such challenges with how they're viewed. So are, are you f- feel like you're really bringing that issue, not only to this character you're bringing, but just to this whole series? I think, I think it's very important. I think, um, I think part of the problem um, that we, we don't have as much in, in England, I have to be honest. Um, we really, I mean, you know, ageism is kind of is rearing its ugly head a little bit in England, but not like it is here. Um, I mean, some of the biggest uh, stars on TV are middle-aged women in the UK. Um, but over here, um, that's not the case. And uh, I mean, I'm really actually encouraged, I'm getting more encouraged when I see People like Marsha Gay Harden and Viola Davis, um, they have, you know, they are now stars on a TV show and they're obviously not, you know, not casting any aspersions here, but we're none of the spring chickens anymore. Um, and I think things are changing. Um, and I would like to be part of that change, to be honest. I think people are, I mean, people are realizing now that you you can't just block out a whole segment of your audience. Women, I think, watch TV a lot, um, and uh, they were never seeing themselves represented on television um, because, listen, I'm an actress, and I don't make my I'm, I don't do a Kim Kardashian and make myself up to the nth degree to go to the supermarket. I'm like a normal person. I you know throw some sweats on and and go and do my errands, but. Um, I think that, you know, most people, most women are represented on TV as being glamorous and never having their hair out of place and the makeup being perfect all the time. That's not real life. You know, I want to see myself on TV. I don't want to see what some person sitting in a room thinks that women should look like on TV. Yeah, and, and I would think in, in this role that you're doing for Eternity, it kind of, I was having this thought the other day as, as we were talking as, about TNG, as we always do here, um, but that, you know, especially in TNG, this struck me the other day that all the doctors in The Next Generation were women, whether it was um, 
uh, you know, Gates, of course, playing Crusher or or Pulaski or even Doctor Salar for the for the one time um, that that she was yeah. in that, that episode. But you know, you know, now in in this role, you're playing a Doctor too. It's sort of interesting to, to have, and I, I don't know. I feel like funny saying this in 2015. Of course, there are women doctors. Of course, there are right. But the fact that you are sh- representing that even in this role, I think, hopefully, should be a role model to 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 women, whether it's whether it's girls, whether it's you know people in college, or whether it's people maybe looking at a second career. Hopefully, you can be a role model with that again. Well, you know, with the 50th anniversary coming up next year, I'm getting asked a lot of questions of you know what do we feel? You know, what do I feel? Star Trek. Um, where you know meant to the society, and where do I think that TNG fits into the grand scheme of things? Um, the one thing that we're we're hearing now more than anything, anything. I mean, and this is really it never ceases to blow our minds. The one thing we hear the most is how deeply people were affected by our show, and especially women. I cannot tell you how many times people come up to me, and Gates has the same exact experience, come up and say, thank you for being strong women on TV, people, women that we could say to our daughters, these are the women you should emulate. It's huge. It's absolutely, I mean, you know what, I'm just an actress. You know, I learn my lines, I hit my mark, and I try not to bump into the furniture. That's my method, right? I never in a million years imagined that something that I did would impact people like that. It's so important. What we watch on TV is so important. And um, I'm beginning to see that now, especially now the show's over and I'm getting these women who are now professionals who we inspired, you know, to become what what they've become. Yeah, and it's it's just being at conventions and fans myself. It's it's always interesting to to see whether they're dressed up as you know maybe the 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 counselor Troy and, and the pilot of of the scant and the braid. But you know, no matter what they're wearing, what they're projecting is not only what what you showed with your character, but with all of the the women characters in Trek and, and everything else. Uh, but one thing I wanted to talk about is the the the, the campaign you're doing with Eternity. Um, so you're you're mm-hmm. you and and the crew and and the creators and producers and all that are obviously trying to to make sure you can you can fund the show so it happens. Um, I know you um, right. as of this recording you have about two weeks left in your your campaign. Um, and uh, for for our listeners, you, you can go to Indiegogo and Facebook and Twitter, and we'll give those links um, at the end of the show and also in our show notes. But what's it like doing this sort of I don't know if I want to call it the modern way of doing television, but but sort of this this new way, quote unquote, of developing a series of this this whole you know not necessarily with a studio or and you know better than me, Marina, but you know how, doing it this way with uh, the internet. How's that sort of been a different or a change or a new thing from what you're used it's to? It's very different. I mean, you know, I'm old school. I am. Yeah, I'm of a different generation. So this is this is kind of Japanese to me, you know, and I don't speak Japanese, you know, anyway, but you know what I'm saying. It's, um, this is very different to the way I've ever worked and I've been in the business for 40 years. So, you know, it's, it's very different, but the great thing is that stuff that wouldn't necessarily get made on normal network television is now getting made, um, through new media whether it's Kickstarter campaigns or, or Indiegogo campaigns or whether people are making shows for Netflix or Hulu or even, you know, Amazon or DirecTV, there are all these avenues open um, for people to get 
their ideas and their dreams out there. I mean, you know, it takes a long time and a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of people to get a movie made or a TV show made. And um, bottom line, it's work. And work is better than the alternative. Yes, and we all definitely want to see you working, Marina. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we want to make sure you're supplied with that tea um, but and chocolate. Now, I mean, one of the things with this campaign is that, of course, we've got to see some, you know, extras and some videos of whether it is you having tea and, and throwing small furry animals around um, or, or talking yes, to yes. co-hosts. It's, it's kind of like doing this <laughs> nets and everything. You see, that's so much fun. It's so much fun, especially doing that thing with the tea. That was hysterical. Um but you know, I, 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 I've done. I did something else that uh, actually uh, uh, that they raised money on Kickstarter. A thing called the Fifth Passenger, which um, um, is in is in the editing room now. So you know, we actually it can be done. Um, I think that people. I think I, you know. I, I, we do everything we can to to kind of give people perks and little bits and bobs and or quite big bits and bobs if they don't, you know, if they um, donate enough money. Um, it's very different for me to do this. I, I have to be honest. Um, uh, it feels a little odd to be asking people for money. But then I turn around and I look at my good friend, LeVar Burton, who is, you know, he's doing his Reading Rainbow again. And managed, I mean, in a month raised $6 million on Kickstarter. For reading rainbow so obviously when it's when there's a product that people want they um and they want to see it made um they get involved and i think that's amazing i think that's wonderful yeah, and I think it really does help. And, and again, I I, you, I don't know anything about the entertainment industry, Marina, but I think it, you know with the connection that you and everyone else, you know, whether it's whether it's Dorn or or anyone else who's trying to do a series like this, you you obviously have that connection with your fans, and obviously they want to support you, and it's certainly a direct way. To- yeah, you know, I you know these my I have I have the best fans in the world. I, I mean, I truly I don't care what anybody else says. I have the most loyal, devoted, just loving fans um support i mean they couldn't be more supportive i remember i was the first one who really started doing conventions on star trek and um, i would come back on a monday morning and everyone would be like what's it like what's it like you know they were all terrified and i went well you know if you have a problem being adored for two days then don't go you know (laughs) because that's all that's all it is (laughs) you're just adored and uh, you know Star Trek fans in general um, and have proven that they are the most loyal fans in the history of show business. 50 years. They've proved it, you know? Well, well, speaking of adoring fans, I'm going to turn you over to two of those folks. So, um, uh, Daniel, um, what what question do do you have for Marina? You know, I actually have a different question. When you were talking about uh, these, um, you know, the fantasy elements of the show and and you said – we wouldn't get to see the goddess of empathy. My my mind immediately went to: Are we gonna maybe get to see uh, a cowboy Marina Sirtis then? Oh, that would be better. <laughs> I like that. I I liked when I was Durango, the mysterious stranger. That was one of my favorite episodes. I have to be honest, because <laughs> Michael Dorn, God bless him. <laughs> I remember I was trying to blow smoke rings with that cigar that they gave me in the jail, and, and Dorney, bless him, <laughs> said. Don't do that. 
And I said, why not, honey? And he goes, it's don't be funny. This is my episode. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the funniest things he ever said. Um, but I, you know, just, just a few probably typical questions you get all the time from, from fans, but I, uh, we, we talk a lot about, uh, Troy and, and I know, uh, listening to your interview you did with Mission Log not too long ago, uh, you talked a little bit about this, um, but we love, love, love when, when Deanna gets to put on a regular uniform, right? And, uh, we, we think that's just, that's, that's really when, that's our favorite part of the character. Was that anything that you like pushed for or did they just finally get, you know? Oh, I wish I could say that I did, Daniel. I wish I could. I wish the feminist in me is screaming out and saying, yes, yes, tell, lie. Tell them it was your idea. <laughs> but it wasn't. It really, um, I really had no input in into what I wore. And um, uh, I mean, sometimes I'd, you know, try and sneak different hairdos or something. And, you know, I always had to go back. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I didn't, no. I didn't um, decide to put the space suit on. That was Captain Jellicoe. <laughs> and he told me to go put my space suit on. And I couldn't have been happier. I was dying to wear a regulation space suit. And, um and basically wore it most, uh, pretty much most of the time after that. Like when I was on duty, I would wear my spacesuit, and then when I was off duty, I'd wear one of the other, you know, outfits. But I, I too, that was my favorite. And you know, you've heard me at conventions talking about how, you know, when my cleavage was gone, my grey matter came flooding back. <laughs> that kind of why. That's kind of why it was my favorite. When you don't have a cleavage, you're allowed to have brains. <laughs> <laughs> some of us some of us might not have either but that that's not <laughs> although we do like the uniform better what was more comfortable for you on set all day was it did were you more comfortable in the dresses or was uh was that no they nothing was comfortable if we were wearing spandex for goodness sake i mean the boys weren't i mean the boys wore the spandex for a season and then patrick complained quite rightly I mean, boys should not wear onesies. I mean, it's just that's just wrong. It is wrong. Um, and so then the boys went to the two-piece, which was like a, a, a fine worsted, we call it in England. It's a bit like suit material, very fine wool. Um, and, but the girls were always in the spandex. And, uh, yeah, it stretches as you move, so it, it's not that constricting. But, you know, you eat a grape and it shows. You know, I mean, when people say to me, what was the only good thing about Star Trek ending? I said, well, I was finally able to breathe out after seven years. We uh, So there's a joke, and I'm, this is not just us. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot of fans. But uh, the, the joke is, right, that Troy got to sit down and fly the ship and then immediately crashed it into a planet. Which okay, is- that's not fair. <laughs> that's just not fair. That planet, I'm sorry, that planet just came out of nowhere, okay? <laughs> Well, fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I'm not going to argue that point with you. Um, but I was <laughs> curious because, you know, we didn't get to see uh, Deanna do a lot of the other stuff. Like, she got to sit in the front the front seat there for a little bit. And I'm just curious if uh, if you could have had uh, Troy do something else uh, besides being the counselor, uh, what would that have been? I always used to say, you know, I wanted to be captain. I wanted to be captain because... Um uh, then, you know, I could like lean over to him and ask him his advice and then I could ignore him for seven years like he ignored me. Um, but actually thinking about it, 
Uh, I mean, I love Michael Dorn and I think he was a wonderful security chief, but I think it would have been pretty awesome to have a girl security chief throughout the show. So you're saying that you, uh, you, you actively wanted Denise's Well, job. originally, that, that's the part that I auditioned for. I auditioned for Tasha Yacht. So, and they switched me to Troy about halfway through the audition process. Well, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but it obviously ended up better off for you than it did for her. I'm teasing. Well, except none of what, I mean, yeah, it kind of, but that was, that was, uh, that was, I mean, she wasn't fired. Um, that was a choice that, you know, Denise made. And so, um, it's, you know, I'm not talking out of turn here. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, you asked me which part I wanted, I would have liked to play. And I, I think it would have been the security chief. I think only, um, Jonathan was on more, Star Trek shows than you. I think you're right behind him because uh, he was on Deep Space Nine that one time. But I'm curious, like, what were the, um, were the, were the, the uh, acting, with, um, excuse me, were the professional environments very different on the sets from TNG to Voyager to, to, I know you only did the one, the one Enterprise episode, but were they very, very, like, totally different kind of experiences for you or did you kind of feel like it was all one big part of the same family? No, 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 no. Very different experiences. Um, we had a raucous and riotous set on TNG. It was noisy. There was singing. There was laughed. I mean, we laughed nonstop for seven years. Laughed. We were a funny group. And everyone in that group is really funny and smart. And we had the best time. And every one of us adored every single one of the other cast. Um, not the same atmosphere on any other Star Trek show I've ever worked on. I mean, it, it, to me, it was a great thing to work in that atmosphere. Um, we had a director, however, in the first season who directed two shows and then refused to ever come back because we were too rowdy. I think that basically tells you everything you need to know about the TNG cast. (laughs) Apparently this had never happened in the history of Hollywood before that a director would refuse to work with the actors. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? We had a great time. (laughs) Yeah, it was very different on the other shows. Um, A little more um, serious, let's say. Yeah. That's, that sounds awesome. Uh, you, we, uh, I, I, we've talked about this before and we kind of all get that, that same sense that you guys were all, you know, super close. And even at your convention appearances, you guys just seem like a really great group of friends that, you know, just pick it up. It was from day one. It was from day one. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't planned. I'm pretty sure that I'm sh- the producers couldn't care less if we get on or not. That's not their issue. That's not their problem. They want to know that, you know, you're, you're producing the work. But we, from day one, I mean, I remember the day one filming um, in the marketplace on Farpoint and, and convinced, laughing so hard that I was convinced we were all going to get fired because we just couldn't stop laughing. And that was on day one. So um, it, was a, I, I, it was an experience that I don't think it, I will ever repeat in my professional career. Um, it was a one-off. It really was the best seven years of my life. I, I cannot explain. I just don't have words to say how wonderful that time was with my cast on TNG. So that actually brings up just, just a quick bonus question I have for you. And I would never ask you to speak ill of anybody. Um, trust me. But um, 
Patrick himself, uh, you know, on conventions and stuff has talked about how your, your group, you know, that you guys kind of pushed him away from how he was a little stodgier and stiffer in the first season. Was he really like a cranky old uncle that, that first year? Or he, you know what? He wasn't cranky. He wasn't cranky. Um, he was, it was, a, it was all about the work. And I knew this about Patrick going in because I had friends who'd worked with him at the Royal Shakespeare Company in England. And they said to me, Marina, Patrick's all about the work. He's very serious about the work. And when we started, he was very serious about the work. Um, I say he was up his own bum a little bit. I don't know. I don't think I can get that. I think that the censors will let that pass. Um, It'll pass. He basically <laughs> realized that life is short and um, it's better to be laughing than to be miserable. And so now he's the silliest one of all of us. <laughs> that's, that's great life advice, honestly. Yeah, that's what I had for you, Marina. Thanks so much. Sure, You're welcome. <laughs> All right, and we'll we'll give you to our your your last gracious fan and and wonderful co-host Darren. Hello, hello, thank you, Daniel. That was a lot of bonus questions, Daniel. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I just had to uh, one of the other shows that I know you were able to cross work with some of your TNG co-hosts was Gargoyles, which is one of my favorite series. Uh, what was that experience like? I know you've spoken in previous times. That it's very different, you know, doing just audio recording and sometimes you're not in the same room and sometimes you are. Were you able to be in kind of that group experience when you're talking with Frakes or with or with uh, Dorn or Brent or were you kind of siloed yeah. had to do that? Oh, that's no, cool. no, no, no. Those wonderful people, Greg Wiseman, who, as you know, created Gargoyles, and Greg Wiseman and his group of people, producers, directors, um, writers, um, they like to do the um, they like to do the episodes like a radio play, and so we would do them on a Saturday morning, um, where most unless you're out on location, everyone could pretty much make it. And um, we sat in a semicircle in the studio and did it like a radio play, and it was great. Uh, it's it's great to be able to see who you're talking to and to look at their expressions, and and you know, acting is reacting. Um, that's like the first rule is listening. And so um, for me, sitting in a studio doing other things with just a pair of headphones on and a, and a script in front of me, it doesn't really do it for me, I have to be honest. Um, I like the way we did it with Gargoyles. Uh, we, we were all in there. We were able to act with each other. Exactly. Well, so much of communicating and acting, it's the body language, it's the facial expressions. To have that two-way communication just makes it yeah. much more. Now I can imagine just with some of the uh, impersonations Brent can do, I'm sure there were several outtakes that uh, didn't make it to air when you guys were all in the recording room together. Well, they were, um, uh, but what, what amazed me, I have to be honest, because I'm not a voice actress per se, but there are voice actors in Hollywood and the things that they can do. It, I mean, it's unbelievable. We'd have maybe one line, and the director would say, you know, I need who can do old Scottish guy sounds like a dog when he speaks. And four people would put their hand up and I'd be like, really? That's in your repertoire, like at your fingertips. I mean, unbelievable things they can do with their voices. So I really admire what they can do. I think it's a whole skill set that I don't have. 
Um, but they are incredible actors. Um, so it's more about us, you know, on-screen actors sitting there with our mouths hanging open at how brilliant these voice actors are. Oh, yeah. No, I think Frank Welker did several voices. I think he's been on, on hundreds of shows. And and it it is fun to hear their voices, especially when you can connect them, though, with a particular character. And I think that's definitely something that the, t- the the TNG cast brought to Gargoyles. I know I definitely, my ears perked up a little bit that first pilot. I'm like, wait, that that voice sounds very familiar. Like I've seen it before. You know, there are still people who don't know that I was Demona on Gargoyles. I still get that at conventions sometimes at Comic-Cons. You, you were Demona? I mean, absolutely gobsmacked that I was Demona. Because they, they think I'm this like sweet girl. And... <laughs> I have to say no. Oh, Demona was a great character. And actually, in real life, Marina is much more like Demona than she is Deanna Troy. <laughs> and then my last question I had for you, Marina, was uh, I have a daughter, Elizabeth, and you know, as we've talked for uh, you know with my other co-hosts about you know just the impact of of women in television, but also just uh, women in life and being able to. Uh, you know, just inspire others. Would you have any advice for her growing up for uh, just a way she should set her star by? Well, you know, um, whenever I sign autographs for, for kids, I always say reach for the stars. That's what I write as a, as a, as a, you know, thing for them. Um, I find now what is really um, worrying me is um, this, uh, addiction to social media and the bullying that happens on social media and that girls are made to feel so awful. And whenever, and now actually, even when I'm doing Q and A's at a comic con, I, I talk about two things totally unrelated to Star Trek or anything or any work. And one is the menopause. And the other thing is um, this, believing what you read online and trying to persuade these girls that those people don't matter. Their opinion of you doesn't matter. It's your opinion of you that matters. These people, you know, you can't tell kids not to go to their phones. That's like telling them to be abstinent. That's not going to work. You have to teach your girl that she, she has to have a sense of self so that when all that horrible stuff and everyone gets it. I get it. You get it. Everyone gets it. But it doesn't affect them. We're we're making girls. I I sometimes despair. I have to be honest. I'm going to get a little political here. Um, I'm of the generation of feminism and women's liberation, and I look at some of what we're what what we're doing to our young women right now, and I think, why the hell? Did, what did we do all that stuff for? Why did we demonstrate? Why did we burn our bras? Why were we, you know, marching for equal rights when these poor girls now are just being pilloried for how they look? Mm. I want to kill somebody. You have to instill in your girl that she's perfect just the way she is. That's the only thing I can say to you. No, yeah, it's especially, like you said, in this time of social media, in this time of so many other voices are able to get in to talk to our children that we really need to be the first voice for them. They're not important. Those voices are not important. They're background noise. They're not important. 
These aren't your friends. These aren't your family. What they say does not impact you at all. It should not impact you at all. These are not people that you're hanging out with. These are not your friends. These are not your family. And it shouldn't matter what strangers say about you. This family will always love them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that got a bit heavy, didn't it? No, no. <laughs> well, don't don't worry, Marina. We'll pull you back here. Um, no, and no. I mean, and we really appreciate it because I think one of the things that and 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 don't mean to just suck up to the interviewer here, uh, interviewee here, but one of the things we like about you is not only you know you as as an, a person as, as an actress, but also as the Troy character and everything you've done is that you do the spectrum of what not only we we like as TNG, but also what the three of us do every week or what we try to do is that we can be very serious, just like TNG can be very serious about the deep issues and about talking about you know the deep issues, but it can also be very funny and it can also be and I and I and I think that's what we or at least your fans and and I include us in that what we love about you so i want to do thank you and i want to do two last questions one is for daniel who is currently kicking himself because when you mentioned voice acting daniel is a huge huge mass effect fan and oh lord and so i've never played it and I, I've well, never was, played it. <laughs> what was it like doing that? Doing that? That? Uh, that was that was boring. Now that was really boring. Oh, was, was it? Not oh. fun at all. <laughs> Have you seen? You know, people come up to me and they're like, "Oh, you brought so much to that character." Well, great. I'm really glad I did. But do you know how many times you have to repeat a line when you do a video game? You have to say the same line like 300 times. And, and we apologize and for, for killing you. That's character. fine, but and yes. I'm sure, and you know, and I'm sure you've killed me to get to the next level. I understand that has to happen somewhere in the game, but um, yeah, I mean, when I did Mass Effect, it was a very, again, very different to the way games are now. I met some guys recently um, who basically act in video games. I didn't even know that such a thing existed that there were real actors in video games now. See, this is what a Luddite I am. I'm so rubbish at technology. <laughs> I know I was on Star Trek. It didn't rub off. Oh, uh, well, what, and one question I know that, that our, our fan or our listeners, I don't know fans, but that will think I won't ask you to your face, but I will. So you and Riker, I mean, Troy, Troy and Riker, I've never gotten that relationship at all. Um, what is well, wrong with you? What is I know. wrong with you? <laughs> so, if, don't if tell could... me you were a Worf fan. Well, no, no. <laughs> Let me let me just do a little experiment with you, Marina. You're, you're Troy's friend, right? You know, um, you know that she has a past with this guy. They, they work together. They have romances, and then they'll like oddly put it in each other's faces. Like, and she's saying, you know, you know, I think I really want to get back with him. What would be your advice uh, to Deanna Troy, Marina, about whether to stay with? Riker? And I know you like Frakes. I'm just just as the character of, of of Riker and Troy. You know, what would be your advice to her? Well, actually, um, this is something that we've actually talked about. <laughs> Frakes and I were like, you know, because we, there was a lot of stuff you didn't see that ended up on the cutting room floor. But for seven years, Jonathan and I, we played it like we were in a relationship, right? So it was whether we were like, can I say banging at the time or not? Um, Shagging, but whatever you want. We, we, we played a lot of stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. That's, that's, the, that's kind of the basis of the whole thing. Now, um, as far as uh, him, you know, being the stud of the galaxy, 
they both of them played away from home a lot, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't just that, you know, it wasn't that she was the doormat. It wasn't that she was the doormat and she, you know, she just kept going back to this cheater. They were both as bad as each other. And the way I look at it is they got it out of their systems, you know, they sowed their oats, they got it out of their systems, realized that they wanted actually, that, you know, they were right the first time and um, they got married. So if I was her friend, um, I would say you're both as bad as each other. You know, go work it out. I, I have to jump in, Marina. I'm breaking our format a little bit here because I've tried to explain. I totally understand the Troy Riker relationship, and I've tried to explain it to Philip a thousand times. Uh, that in the, in the 24th century, people can go off and do their own things and then come back. Exactly. You know what? In the 21st century, people can do that too. This is another thing I was campaigning about as a feminist, you know? It's like, you guys are so romantic. It's not all hearts and flowers, you know? People have needs. And I do, I I have one last bonus question now that we're talking about this. Um, Bearded Riker or Beardless Riker? Beardless. I'm not a fan of the beard. I know I'm in the minority but I've never been a fan of facial hair on anybody. So he is actually as smooth as an Android's bottom. That's, that's good to know. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, Marina, you've been very kind to put up with us. You're um, welcome. And we just really want to thank you uh, for having you on. I'm just going to remind the listeners that uh, they can visit uh, internitytv.com and then on Facebook, they can go to facebook.com slash internitytv and on Twitter, at Eternity Show, and they can do hashtag Deanna Troy Day, and then of course the Indiegogo campaign, um, which is going to be wrapping up in two weeks. So, um, Marina, what, any any final words about Eternity or uh, anything you want? Really, you, you got you have your platform here. You know, we've got a special um, a special offer on on the, on Indiegogo right now, and it's not going to take a lot of fans if they take up the special offer to get this actually going. So. Um, don't think that you uh, don't think that you you know you need to have a lot of money to do this. Um, if you basically just you know it's just I know with the holidays coming up I just feel so bad, but um, I think it's for a good cause. I really do. Um, I wouldn't put my name behind something that I didn't truly believe in. So because as you know, it's not something I do a lot. So um, yeah, go 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 check it out and see and see what you think. All right. Good luck to you, Marina, and thank you for being on. You're welcome, guys. And interviewing Counselor Troy herself, Marina Sirtis, is not the only thing we've been talking about this week. Here's a look at all the other shows that didn't interview Counselor Troy this week on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Yeah, he can edit the crap out of a movie. Literally. Like, that's actually how he got the job on uh, for Nemesis, is he edited the crap out of uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, and Mission Impossible 2. And they're like, thanks, Stuart Baird. Earl Grey. Oh, by the way, six hours in, if you press shift, you'll run throughout the whole game. Press shift when your characters are moving, and they'll actually move at a reasonable Reasonable. Pace. The orb. If he had, like, a game card, his power... 
you know, <laughs> like would be higher yeah. than any other captain for the, their persuasion power. You'll be like, damn, I was winning. And then he went and played a Cisco card on me. The ready room. Someone pointed out that this is actually the shortest title of any Star Trek episode. It's shorter than Voyager's Q squared by half a character because the two is superscript. We're number one. We're number one. (laughs) To the journey! It's fake intimacy. Thank you. It is them trying to say Jacote knows Janeway so well that just by fiddling her com badge, he knows the crap's going to hit the fan. (laughs) Commentary, Trek stars. Lost World's a terrible movie. I haven't seen Jurassic World, though. The 602 Club. We wake up in the middle of the night, and I pop back in episode five, and I watch it again. Like, there's something about this movie that from even then, you know, I'd seen them all. It's all clean slate. This one was already my favorite. Literary Treks. It definitely starts in a very dark place, and it doesn't get much brighter at all. Uh, you know, until we until we get to the end, and, and you know, there's some hope there. But yeah, definitely, it's it's a dark book. Women at warp. There were no. Oh, you're a girl, so you can't do that. It's like, well, you know what? You used to hang out with the Kardashian or the Klingons, so. Let's see what that would look like. Why don't you try that on for a while? And introducing Metatrex. If you're commander of a starship, a thousand choices are going to uh, confront you in the course of of your day in in the captain's chair, and you just can't ignore them. So asking ourselves whether we really have free will is just a meaningless question on that view. I personally would like to be confronted with the choice to warp to Ryza, just saying. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to Trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek FM Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trekfm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. 
These rewards let you inside the Observation Lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trekfm today. So guys, we just interviewed Marina. That that happened. That happened. That happened. So so Daniel, how does it feel that Mass Effect is boring? <sighs> well, I mean, I expect no less from a character that had to die. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. I'm just I, I loved her work on, on Mass Effect. And if you want to talk Mass Effect with me, I would love to talk Mass Effect with you. Um, uh, and, you know, Armin Shimmerman was also in Mass Effect. There's a thousand different Star Trek references in Mass Effect. Uh, I, hang on. I'm sorry. This is not a Mass Effect podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They can find me on Twitter. Uh, and my handle there is 1updan. That's the number one, not the word. And Darren, you know, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how much uh, driving you do around L.A. I guess that's all you do. Um, but... Do a lot of cars just come out of nowhere when you're driving? You know, especially if it's rained and hasn't rained in like eight months. Driving's pretty crazy. And yeah, I would definitely say cars come out of nowhere. So so we if we put you at the helm for the first time and you just did a crash, it would be perfectly reasonable explanation. Well, I mean, that's why they made that Hollywood movie Crash. Exactly. Which I think Rain of Citrus was in. Yes. So that, that explains a lot. And when you're raising your daughter in, in such a great way that Marina talked about all those wonderful issues and all those great questions you ask, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And they can also find me on my website, which is DrSciFi.com, where they can read about my Stormtrooper exploits. And uh, again, for our fans, we'll have all the information about Marina's uh, campaign and, and the show about Eternity in the show notes, so please ask you to check that out. But if you want to talk to me about how I, Philip Gelfus, made Marina laugh several times today, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC for nothing but comedy. Well, guys, I mean, this, this, is, this is a first for Earl Grey, but not a only, I don't think. So until the next time we interview someone from the greatest show, Star Trek The Next Generation, I'm quoting Marina, not me. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Make it so. Live long and prosper. And get fire.